Father, that is our prayer today. That today, if we hear your voice, that we would not harden our hearts. We pray for grace to hear and receive your word. And we pray this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, I went on a stag do to do some go-karting. And as you can imagine, whenever at 15 or so fellas get together, there's plenty of competition, lots of chat about who's going to win. But when the races started, I was more like someone out for a Sunday afternoon drive compared to some of them, compared to the boy racers. In fact, some had even brought their own helmets and gear. That was how serious they were taking it. But the thing that stood out that day was the time before the racing started. We were gathered in a wee room and the owner gave us a little talk. First of all, he said, welcome and, you know, have a great day and go-karting's fantastic. But then came the second part of his talk, the warnings. We watched the safety video about all the horrible things that could go wrong when you're go-karting. We had to sign the disclaimer that said if anything happened, it was our own fault that we couldn't sue him. Welcome and warning side by side it's what we find in Psalm 95 in these very familiar words there's a welcome, there's a a call to worship and a warning and you can't have one without the other so perhaps you turn back in the service sheet to find Psalm 95 at which we used earlier And as you do that, let's dive in to see how the welcome of worship and the warning of worship sit together. So first, the welcome. I wonder if you've ever received a summons to serve on a jury. The letter arrives in the post. You're obliged to turn up on the day, whether you want to. Or not. It's one of those things that, that no one likes to receive in the post. Is that how the opening words of the psalm sit with you? Oh, come. Here's a summons. You, you have to do this. You have to come along to worship whether you feel like it or not. Now maybe, maybe some Sunday mornings it might feel like a struggle to get up. You might be able to think of a million and one other places that you would rather be. But that's not the sense of the call to worship here. It's not, you better come. It's more like a wedding invitation, a a joyful welcome to to come along, to to be a part of something exciting, to to be caught up in celebration. Oh, come. And what is it we come to? 
Well, in Psalm 95, we have what I think of as a rule of lettuces. Now, I've mentioned before, I'm not much of a gardener. The only thing I can grow is weeds. If I needed lettuce, I I can share that talent with you if you want for your garden as well to grow weeds. If I need lettuce for salad sandwiches or something like that, if I'm trying to eat healthy once in a while, um, I would buy the lettuce in a shop. But I know that some of you are gardeners. You might even have a row of lettuces growing in your vegetable patch at the minute. If it's the right time of year, I don't even know. I don't know. They just drop from the sky for me. A row of lettuces. You can, you can picture that in your garden uh, if you grow them. Well, look at Psalm 95 and, and look at the row of lettuces in the opening verses. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. There's our rule of lettuces. And there's another mini rule in verse 6. Look down at it. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Here's the welcome to worship. As we come together to worship and to praise. But notice who we're speaking to when we say those words. We're not eyes on heaven looking up speaking to God as such. Rather our eyes are all around us. Urging and encouraging one another to sing, to make a joyful noise, to to give thanks. It's as if you're, you're nudging the person beside you and going, come on, let's do this. It's like the the team sports in the Olympics. I don't know if you've been watching any of it recently. But as each member of the team supports and cheers on and encourages the rest of the team. I was watching the the rugby sevens the other night. And and the teams seemed to come together in a circle. And they they all put their hands into the middle. And they do some kind of, come on, we're going to win kind of cheer. We're to be doing the same. Encouraging those around us as we sing out. Or being encouraged when we don't find it easy to sing out. Why would we want to come together to worship? Why should we praise with loud singing and thanksgiving and joyful noises? You see, it says there that you know you can sing, but if you can't sing, you can still make a joyful noise. Well, why? We're given the reasons in verses at 3 to 5. Do you see the 4 at the start of verse 3? Here's why. For the Lord is a great God... And a great king above all gods. 
as we encourage one another to worship, we recognize who God is. He is the great God. He is the God of gods, if you like. In fact, he's the only God. You see, when Psalm 95 was written, the nations all around believed that there were lots of small g gods and goddesses. Each one localized, each one in charge of something in particular. They would be the god of a particular mountain, or the god of a particular sea, or a, a, a nation, or a piece of land. Up on the north coast, there's an example of this sort of pagan thinking. I wonder if you've, you've seen it. High up above McGilligan Point. On the, the Bishop's Road that goes from, from Downhill to Limavari. There's a statue of, and I'm not going to pronounce this right, but uh, Mananan MacLear. You might have seen it on the news. This was the, the statue that was cut down and, and dragged into the forest. And then they've replaced it now. Well, Mananan MacLear was believed to be the Celtic god of the sea. So if you were going to go on a sea journey, then you would sacrifice to him to, to keep him on site. To make sure that he liked you and, and gave you an easy time on the journey. There was a, a hoard of gold found outside Limavari in 1896 called the the broider gold. And this was a series of offerings to Mananan for a favourable journey. But Psalm 95 cuts through all that. The Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Here's why, verse 4. In his hand as we thought about with the, the children, in his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. It's as if we're uh, looking around at pagan neighbours and thinking, you think that that little God owns that sea? No, 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 our God owns it, he made it. Well, you think there's a God of that particular territory? No, no, no. Our God owns it because our God made it. Our God rules over all because he made everything. He holds it in his hands. Here's the reason why we encourage one another to sing, to make joyful noise. Perhaps you came today feeling as if you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. As we sing and praise and give thanks to our God, we're reminded that we don't need to carry the weight of the world. That our God holds it in his hands. That he is in control. That he doesn't need a hand. He doesn't need us to do it for him. He can do it all by himself. We encourage one another to worship. Now in verse 6, the pattern repeats. There's another welcome to worship as we speak to and encourage one another to worship, followed by the reason why. But notice that this time round, 
It's quieter. In fact, there's no noise at all unless you count a, a creaky hip or the wee sigh as you, you know, get down to tie your shoelaces or whatever. I'm finding that I'm starting to make those wee noises as well myself. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. You see, worship isn't just loud singing. We often think that that's all it is, that when we come together, we worship, when we sing, and I don't know, we do something else whenever we sit and listen or when we bow down. But worship is also bowing and kneeling before the Lord, recognizing him as our God, submitting to him. And we do this together, urging one another to bow. Why would we do this? Why would we surrender to him? Why would we bow before him? Why would we come humbly to him? Again, we have the reason why. We have the for in verse 7. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Even though God is great and glorious, reigning over all he has made, even so he is not distant. He is our God, our shepherd king, as we thought about last week in Psalm 23. Again with this picture of his people and his sheep. He holds the world in his hand and we are the sheep of his hand. He holds us as well. So we have the the call, the, the welcome to worship and the reason why. But then suddenly at the end of verse 7, we have the warning. A warning we still need to hear. You see, it's not enough to worship. It's not enough to be noisy and loud and then merrily go on our way thinking that's all we need to do. As we worship in singing and in bowing, we must also be listening, ready to hear and obey. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The warning for the people of God still stands for us, as the writer to the Hebrews makes clear. That even when we're worshipping, we could still fall away. If our hearts become hard, if we refuse to listen and obey. We're presented with a case study from the history of God's people. Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt. Freedom from slavery, salvation through the Passover lamb, escape through the Red Sea, where they arrived in the wilderness. And it was here that disaster struck. The very same people who had trusted in the Passover, who had seen all those mighty signs of God, the the salvation of God, they suddenly refused to listen. Their hearts wanted to be back in, in Egypt. They wanted to be back as slaves. They feared for their lives because of a lack of water. They questioned whether God was really with them. 
These were the people who had sung, who had sung the songs of salvation. The people who were on their way to the promised land. Guided by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And yet they refused to listen. Refused to trust God anymore. They, in the words of verse 8, they hardened their hearts. Maybe you've seen this in a child. Their mum or their dad tells them to do something and they say no. And nothing will change their minds. Not bribes, not threats. Their heart is hardened. If, if you're the parent, you only want what is best for them. But they can't see it. Or they won't see it. That's how it was with God's people in Exodus 17. They hardened their hearts. They, they just wouldn't listen. They, they put their fingers in their ears. And so despite having seen evidence of God's goodness. And saving power up close and personal. They turned away. God says they have not known my ways. We're told that God loathed that generation. They were barred from the land of promise, the promised rest of the land of Israel. For 40 years they would wander in the wilderness until that whole generation had died out. Now you might be thinking, well, what has that got to do with us? That was thousands of years ago and far, far away. But the writer to the Hebrews, which we read this morning, it makes clear that the warning still stands. And all because of that word, today. Today, if we hear God's voice, we can enter into that promised rest. A rest from labour, a rest that comes by trusting the promise. And how do we make sure that we'll receive the promise and enter that rest? It's what we've seen in Psalm 95, but explained even clearer in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. Speak to one another, to encourage one another. Do it together. That's the welcome of worship. As we urge one another to worship our great God in loud singing and in humble submission. It's so important that we are here for one another. Not just for ourselves and what we get out of Sunday mornings. It's not just me and God in my little bubble in this building on a Sunday morning. It's us coming together as the people of God. It's why our prayer diary entry for today is 
look for opportunities to encourage others as we meet to worship. If each of us are on the lookout to encourage others, then each of us will be encouraged and encouraging. Perhaps before you dash off and leave your pew this morning, you can pray for the people around you in front, behind, beside. Perhaps as you stay for coffee, you can chat about something more than the weather. Find out how you can pray for someone this week. What's been going on with them. Think about how you can speak a little bit of God's word into their lives. And then catch up next week to see how your prayers have been answered. What an encouragement to praise that would be. Psalm 95 shows us that that we need each other. We can't do it on our own. It's why we're called to be the church, to be the family of God, the people of his pasture. We welcome one another to worship. As we sing to our great God. As we bow before our shepherd king. And this applies every week. But especially today. Today. If you hear his voice. If you're prompted to. Maybe sing a little bit louder in the last hymn. Maybe. Uh, encourage someone else to, uh, for you to step up or speak up or sing up or pray up. If you have that prompt, that little, I could do that. Then don't harden your heart. Don't turn away from those promptings of the Holy Spirit to be involved and to encourage and, and, to, and to play your part. Enter his rest. Receive his grace. Submit to his word as we worship and hear that warning. And as we do it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you for the description we find of you. That you are the great God. Father, we pray that you would help us to hear your voice today. that To play our part as we encourage and support and strengthen one another in your grace. So, Father, we pray Uh, That your word would indeed uh, flourish and blossom this week. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.